you're listening to Of Slights and Men. A Daily Magician production. Well, hello, and welcome back to Of Slights and Men. Today, uh, I'm going to get straight into it. Uh, I'm joined by a, a very special guest who goes by the name of Rory Adams. Uh, just a quick disclaimer, disclaimer um, Rory Adams is not a magician, uh, but he does, he is very, you know, all around them, constantly surrounded by them because he works on TV shows. He's a writer and producer. He's worked with huge names such as Dynamo, Justin Newman, Neil Patrick Harris, and he also wrote um, Only Ideas. Um, so how are you doing today, Rory? How, how, how's I'm doing the weather very good. in England for you where you are? Sorry to jump in, but I think you said Justin Newman. I don't know if you want to re-record that or oh, yeah. or leave it. I can in. record. Did did I write that down while you were saying that by accident? It's Justin Wilman. <laughs> Why did I write Newman? I was, in right, my head, I was like, is Justin Newman a famous singer? It sounds like a famous singer. <laughs> It just sounds like a good name. Maybe it I'll does. take it afterwards. I was, like, I was kind of confused. I was like, is his name Wilman? Like, you said it with such confidence. <laughs> well, maybe we'll just keep this in, honestly. You've corrected me, so I'm, I'm, can, I'm fine with it. You, you can say... Okay, right. yeah, well, I'm happy to keep it in. You can, uh, Yeah, ne- just say Netflix. He worked for Netflix. There you go, done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what are we doing? We gonna keep it in, or we gonna plow on? We can plow yeah, on. just keep it. Uh, yeah, just plow on. Honestly, it's it. Wow, it's, it's funny. It's, it's Your fun. voice <laughs> has gone so high pitched. I'm sorry for all the listeners who are now, and the dogs nearby that can now hear your very high pitched voice. Yeah, luckily this isn't like a video call. Or else you'd also <laughs> else be matched by my blushing cheeks. <laughs> amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. How That's are why you? I I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Yeah, uh, I've got got friends come around today, so I've spent the morning kind of just making the house look nice. Um, wow! And yeah, I know a bit of a homekeeper, so it's it's been fun. How about you? What nice. you been doing up today? I'm all right. My panty D is going all right. I um have not been top notch this week, but no COVID, so we're good. Um, I'm going to go back to Bristol this weekend. It's my birthday. Um. And see the family. Today? So I'm, I'm not today at the weekend. Okay, I was so going to say. Sort of, uh, no, I would feel terrible if you joined this podcast for your birthday. Oh, <laughs> especially with best that birthday ever. Um, oh, no, yeah, birthday yeah. on Saturday, so I'm going to go back to Bristol and uh, see the family. For, so I'm sort of uh, as soon as I'm done with this, uh, I'm just counting down the minutes. I am. <laughs> I'm going to pack up, pack up my stuff, and head to Bristol. So that, that's the plan. All right. Awesome. Um, so after that terrible introduction that probably everyone's forgotten, would you mind, uh, telling me, I mean, it's, it's a very cliche question, but I do think it's interesting to create context. Um, how did this sort of link with magic? How did this magic journey, uh, begin for you? Yeah. Um, so like you said, not really a magician. I've never performed a trick or been paid like to perform a trick. Obviously I've showed mates tricks over the years if they get me very drunk and insist, but um, basically, the headline is that I, from a very young age, wanted to write and direct sort of television. That was sort of my goal. And when I left uh, school, mm. I didn't want to go to uni. Uni sounded like a terrible idea. Um, but I didn't know anyone who worked in London uh, or lived in London. I didn't know anyone who worked in TV. 
Um, but I was aware that there were sort of five TV magic shows that were being filmed at the time, sort of like peak magic era mm. in the UK. There were just so many TV shows. And I sort of saw that as a way in because I was interested in magic and I knew there was this thing called magic consulting. I knew about people like Kayla Morelli and Blake Voigt who were stupidly young and got to travel the world and get paid a lot of money to um, to work on TV shows. And I sort of saw that as a as a as a sort of secret door, a secret sort of way into TV rather than try and become a runner and work my way up. And so that, that was sort of the plan. And I um, I posted an original magic trick on Instagram every day. That was my plan to get noticed because I didn't know any magicians. Impressive. Either. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot easier right. than you'd think. Back then, uh, I, I don't want to say I invented social media magic, but like it didn't exist. I mean... Uh, people were so shocked at the fact that I was doing tricks that were like five seconds long that you know back then it was like self-tying shoelaces and coin bite and that was sort of it you know Instagram were square right. videos I think they were 12 seconds long you couldn't add music you had to record in the app and um yeah so I don't think what I was doing would be particularly groundbreaking now but back then the idea of doing visual magic that was like five or six seconds long was um People kind of were interested in that. So yeah, I did that for 298 days and then I got a job working for Dynamo on his creative team. And that sort of has, has been it. I've done TV shows that aren't magic. I've done sort of late night television and comedy entertainment shows. And the main theme since the age of 19 has been magic. So I did uh, Netflix's Magic Humans. I wrote on two seasons of that. I did ITV One's The Next no Magician. I did Troy. I Wrote a board game for Neil Patrick Harris. But yeah, in the last sort of like four or five years, I've been really lucky in that the main thing I enjoy is the writing process. And that's kind of all I've all I've sort of done. I've only really been a writer on these magic shows, um, which always amazes me because even magicians mm. tend to be shocked that these shows have, have writers. Um, but yeah, that's basically what I've done. Um, yeah. And then the only other thing to mention is that I now write a weekly newsletter called One Ahead. Um, which is basically just all about everything I've learned for the last 10 years. Hmm. Awesome. Well, that is very comprehensive. Uh, I'm going to have to think back because I don't want to miss anything because I'm actually, I'm genuinely intrigued, which is nice <laughs> when I have a guest on. <laughs> when, when you mentioned, um, so writing, right, for magic shows, like you said, it's something that people probably don't think about a lot. Maybe people don't think about writing a lot in general um, when it comes to shows. Um, can you tell me, well, at least shows that aren't, you know, like uh, a mystery, you know, like murder mystery type shows. Um, can you tell me what what does the creative process look for look like for you when you go about creating a show like Magic for Humans? Yeah, well, so I came into Magic for Humans after the first. I did the season two and season season right. uh, three, so it was definitely sort of like laid out in terms of like what the show and what the format was, but. Most shows have have writers, even a show like Love Island. You know, one of the things I always think is really interesting about TV mm. is that you have to name everything. If you don't name things, then the audience will, and they'll probably name it wrong. So if you think about a show like Love Island, you've still got like Casa Amor and The Hideaway and uh, all these like technical terms and like mm. what do we call them? Do we call them Islanders or do we call it ever? all these so many little keywords that you don't sort of realize that get added? But but yeah, no, so. I, I, I um, started only really writing on shows a few years ago with a show in China and um, 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain what, what the creative process is. There's normally a head writer and they sort of like lead the way. But my sort of skill, if I do have one, is creating formats and having a bit of a gauge on what an audience will like or, or not like. But um, but yeah, it's kind of a hard question to answer. I think it's different on mm. depending on every show and what they're sort of looking for. But for the most part, right. it's a bunch of people in a room trying to make each other laugh. Um, and that's kind of all that it, there is to it, you know, that you're either brainstorming and throwing ideas out. Maybe you're splitting off into pairs or, or, or smaller groups to work up ideas and then you're pitching them together. Maybe you're refining an idea, that kind of thing. Um, but most shows that I've worked on, in terms of like creative process, you, you just have to ask a lot of questions. It's, it's a little bit like being a doctor, but being far less intelligent. Um, in that, you know, <laughs> you can't really diagnose anyone without asking questions. And, you, right. you know, to be a good magic consultant and a magic writer, you need to ask those questions and be like, hey, like what are you trying to achieve with this show like what's the tone of voice we're striking what you know i wrote a post about what what questions you should ask but the first thing is really just asking those questions hi there this is jacob and thank you for listening to this podcast so far we just wanted to give a brief shout out to our website thedailymagician.com if you haven't already signed up for our daily newsletter please head over to thedailymagician.com and sign up now You'll get 24 free magic books just for signing up and more great free content and paid content just like this. We promise you won't regret it. So please head over to thedailymagician.com now. I guess it's kind of like, there's this kind of like a story, right? I don't know that I like to think about, which is like, there's like a someone asking like this master of chess, right? Like grandmaster of chess, like what's the best move in chess? And like he says, well, like the one that defeats your opponent, right? <laughs> like the one mm. that works against opponent and it kind of reminded me of that while you were speaking um which is like a lot, i think a lot of times people think that just being like the best prepared or being the most intelligent it will just like somehow make things happen <laughs> which or not even being best prepared, just being intelligent right just being inherently intelligent like I'm, I'm a great writer so like i can do whatever but i think like what you were saying is like the diagnosing and the question asking point the research is really what pays uh, I think that's interesting what you're saying. It's, it, it's interesting how that, that sort of concept links into, into, into different industries. Um, so when it comes to writing, like, I mean, I guess this is kind of like a banal question, but like, what do you most enjoy? <laughs> like what, what part of it is it that like grips you that makes you want, want to keep doing it? Um, well, I think it's like the collaborative thing, but I think it's also just like it, using your imagination. I, I was, you know, I was that kid that, that stared out the windows and, you know, I love telling stories. I love collecting stories. I, I love telling stories. Mm. And I think it sort of comes from that, but, but, you know, there's something really exciting about being in a room and, and inventing something and, and throwing it up and people laughing right. or enjoying or going, Oh my God, we should go grab such and such, come in here, tell them that like, that's like a really exciting thing. And anyone who's been in like a rehearsal room or a writer's room has felt that feeling of like things falling into place right. and coming together and, and, and everything. So it's, you know, it's, it's a really exciting thing. It's kind of like improvising, but it, you know, you can feel the pieces clicking in. Um, and then really mm -hmm. I, I used to love producing TV and actually being around there, but it was, it's so stressful. It's such a stressful industry and so silly, but now I do adore the idea of being able to write stuff and then like 
several months later watching it on Netflix or on ICV or whatever right. and like <laughs> you know an idea you came up with and, and as like a joke someone spent you know sometimes 20 30 grand making it happen it's just like insane right. to me you know I'm, I'm I've I've got in front of me I wrote this game called Box One for Neil Patrick Harris which I've got uh, mm. literally in front of me here in my office and um uh, half of the ideas I had for that, I, I never in a million years I think they were going to make make them, and you know, and they did. Like that's like it's just you know, it's awesome. I get to do this, exactly what I did as a kid, which was having all these crazy ideas for stories and films and uh, ideas, and 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 they actually get get sort of um sort of made. I just enjoy that freedom really of like you can do whatever you want. Um, yeah, I think that's mm. the answer to the question. So what? I'm just kind of interested. What is it that's crazy about the industry? Is it the deadlines? Is it like the pressure for like return well, or just like the strong personalities? What What is it that you don't like? I guess. Well, UK, <laughs> UK TV specific. When I was 23, I worked on a. I was an assistant producer on a late night talk show that like, um, like John Legend and Gordon Ramsay and and people were on. Um, it was meant to be like the UK mm-hmm. version of Jimmy Fallon. And that show sort of like wiped me out. Um, uh. And after that, I just made the decision that I was only going to work abroad, basically, which I I actually have done since then. And through doing that, I realized that it's definitely like a UK TV thing. And magic is a little bit different because I'm incredibly for I I cannot believe how much money I, I was paid even, you know, it's like 19. But you know, right. a runner in the UK is is making maybe sort of fifty pounds a day, and they're expected to work just ridiculous hours, and there's so much stress and pressure. And mm. I don't know, there's something about the UK TV industry which is kind of gross. You know, it, it's propped up by freelancers <laughs> who are being underpaid. There's a lot of sort of sexism and racism, and really at its core, there's like ten old white guys that that run the industry and own these production companies mm. and one week there'll be 300 people working there and then if they haven't got any shows that are commissioned you'll go in the next week and there'll be one person in the office because no one's actually an employee they're all on f- freelance contracts and right. i think you know you'll notice in the uk it's very rare to find anyone over the age of 30 working in television it, it just doesn't really happen because it's really hard. It's really, really hard. You're working mm-hmm. on a show for three weeks and you're looking for another show for three weeks. And um, I don't know. It's a, t- it's a tough It's a tough sort of industry in the UK. Um, I haven't felt that when I've worked on shows abroad. Netflix is a completely different ballgame because they don't have to satisfy regulators or advertisers. Their only note, every note mm. you get from Netflix is, let's make the show as good as possible. Like, how do we make a great show? Because that's how they make money is just by making great shows. It's very different in the UK. Interesting. Okay. So kind of like that flexibility and I guess for Netflix, right? All they, their main metric is like user retention, right? So anything that's going to add into that is good content for them. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of things that Netflix do really, really, really smart. It's not really magic, magic centered, but you know, people get very annoyed because right. every TV show on Netflix, why are there only three seasons? It's so annoying. Why are there only three seasons? It's like, well, there's more value to Netflix and having a wider 
uh, array of shows than having less right. shows with 10 seasons of each. And they know that when Ricky Gervais finishes his third series of Afterlife, they can just make a new show with Ricky Gervais and everyone will be satisfied because they'll watch that. Like, stuff like that. And Netflix are really mm. smart because they don't make any of the shows. Um, if it says Netflix original, it just means they commissioned the show or they bought the show. Um production companies make the shows and that's really interesting and really clever because what netflix have done instead is they've invested in production studios so they basically what that means is that all these different production companies have to come up with the ideas they have to hire all the right people and and make the shows and and if it's a bad show then oh they're not going to get a second season netflix don't mind they're just not going to pay for another season but netflix have invested all their time and funds in the studios, which is great because there's always going to be a need for places to film all these shows. So they're, they're just, they're just geniuses, man. Like they're, they're data driven in a way that no one else ever sort of was, you know, they, they knew that, that streaming series was the one back when they were sending DVDs to people, you know, and they realized that people were binge watching Mm. breaking bad via DVD and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. That was one of the things I didn't even, know about netflix until i started like really looking into their past was just like oh like they used to like they've been around for ages like they've, they've been in the game for a while you know like uh, i didn't realize just how long they've been they've been grinding to, to get where yeah. they are which is and is, the fascinating impressive. thing is that they're not a company that like pivoted like this was their end goal the whole time that their thing was at a certain point we're going to be able to stream this stuff because the internet's going to get fast enough um we're going to get ahead of the game and start by sending out DVDs, you know, like that, that's Mm. what's sort of fascinating about them. But loads of stuff about them is really interesting. You know, when you like, you, you should look at like your Netflix page compared to someone else's and like the stuff that you get recommended, not even just the stuff you get recommended, but the thumbnails, you'll have a different thumbnails for magic for humans than someone else, because you'll be more likely to click on it. It's, 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 um, Oh, it's it's going hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all it's all fascinating. Whereas China, so, just to completely switch switch up. Yes. China, yes, all the TV shows are government run because you know China. So there's only five channels. I, I the, the show I worked on in China, oh. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it got more viewers than the Super Bowl every week, and that was like a guarantee. Like it, it, we could make crap. a terrible show, and it would still get that many viewers because there's. <laughs> A lot of people in China and there's like five channels and like, so that was fascinating. And everyone who worked there was full time, you know, the opposite of the UK. These people have, right. they, when they finish this show, they just go on to another show and they're all, it, it was kind of fascinating, a very different, you know, all these different decisions that you don't really think about. They really harbor a completely different community and, and way of thinking within sort of the television industry. So if you were to break down your success, right, and maybe your failures as well, what would you say if you could go back? I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, I know this is kind of a stupid question because like everything you've done has got you to where you are. But if you could go back, right, and talk to your 19 or 22 year old, 21 year old self and give him tips on, you know, the consulting and TV business, what things would, would, would you would you say to yourself, I guess? Yeah, I mean, people ask me this question and my my advice for anyone who wants to work in tv in any capacity even if you're a magician wanting to perform on television is mm-hmm. uh work hard and make friends um that's kind of all you can do and it's all that's really necessary you, talent yeah if you want to have mm. talent that's fine but 
you know, the people who get very far very quickly, and I mean very quickly, you know, uh, I was an assistant producer for that late night show when I was 21 years old. Like, that's nuts. And there are other people similar who, you know, you, you can progress very quickly in TV. Um, and it just comes down to working hard and making friends. If you've got talent, then great, amazing. But like, you can have talent and not make friends and not work hard and you won't get far. But you cannot have talent and work hard and make friends and be like, get very, very far, very, very quick. Just because of the landscape of television, because you don't need a degree mm. to get in there and you don't need experience. And, and and it is a very much a, you know, not about what you know, it's who you know. But I didn't know anyone to begin with and you can make those friends quite quickly. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of mistakes, I'm sure I've made a bunch of mistakes. Um, uh well, specifically with consulting, I think, I mean, I, I was quite lucky because mm. I, I was conscious of this quite early on because of my age, um, but maybe it still applies. When you're a magic consultant, you might know more than everyone else. I mean, you do know more than everyone else about a very specific subject, mm -hmm. which is magic. Um, you do know a lot more than everyone else because that's why you're there. That's why you're being paid paid to be there so you know quite often when i was very young i you know i remember lighting a a um, car appearance for a tv show and it was my third mm. car I, i'd worked on three different car appearances at that point i think i was 22 or something and the lighting designer is a just an incredible lighting designer you know in british television but he'd never lit a lighting a, a car prints before, and you know he was like in his fifties or whatever, and that's a really delicate uh, thing to to go about because no one wants a, a twenty two year old telling them how to do stuff, and and I think right. that's a problem even if you're not that age. So I think that the mistakes I made early on were it would be nice I think if I'd maybe been a bit more aware of that and put more focus on collaboration and. Mm. Since then, I've learned, you know, Harry DeCruz and I, who was on the team for Dynamo, him and I used to talk a lot about how do you make people think that your ideas are theirs because we were up against it sometimes. And, you know, that's like an interesting conundrum. Um, yeah, I don't know. And the other thing is, like, don't care about what magicians think is like another thing as well. Um, <laughs> like, big one. Yeah. yeah, just because you know, you're making television, you're not making a magic convention competition act. And um, that doesn't mean upset magicians, but like turn up, turn that off in your brain. Like you're going to think about it and just turn it off. Like focus on making a really good, um, a really good magic show. I mean, yeah. And, Cause sometimes you get consultants, not often, but they just care. They only care about the magic. And I think that, you know, People like Paul Keeve, who's just an incredible illusion designer and consultant. He did illusions for Matilda the musical, Ghost the musical, Groundhog Day the musical. Um, he did all the all the real magic in the Harry Potter movies. A lot of people don't know there's real magic in the Harry Potter movies. He did the real magic for that. Um, That's cool. I don't know. But he's amazing because he is he is an example of that where he's not a consultant that comes in and only cares about the magic. Obviously, he'll fight for the magic, but Right. He knows the end goal was to tell a great story. And sometimes 
what's best for the magic isn't what's best for the story. Um, I can't necessarily think mm-hmm. of a great example of that off the top of my head, but you know, it would be, probably be great for the magic if before walking through a door, you like invite someone on stage and tap it and make sure that it's like completely normal, right. but it's probably not best for the story. I guess that's probably the best example I can think of. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's probably a good example. Pokey is amazing. Everyone yeah. should look, check him out and the stuff. It's incredible. Did he work on the, the stage show as well? Because I remember, I haven't actually been to see it yet, but people keep telling me like when they go to see the um, the Cursed Child I'm talking about. like that. No, he, he I know he was uh, in talks to do it originally, but someone else did it instead. Um, but yeah, Amazing Magic. I'm pretty sure... Um, uh yeah never mind i was gonna name someone but i don't want to name someone unless i know the name I'm just sure. but no it, <laughs> yeah, it, it was fine. really good and then ben ben hart's doing a lot of consulting like theater stuff now and he's very good as well um yeah no it's kind of interesting cool. the theater world I, the th- magic when it comes to theater is really fascinating i i love working on shows that aren't magic re- magic right. first um yeah. Because you just have so much freedom, man. Like you, 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 um, you can use props that maybe would look weird on stage for a magic show, but look perfectly normal no, because they fit examined. within the set. Um, yeah, you know, some certain props don't really make sense for normal people to use, but depending on the context of the play, um, also just working with non-magicians is amazing. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm not. I don't really, I'm not really, uh, it's not a big secret that I don't like a lot of magicians. Like I find them very difficult to work <laughs> with. It's, it's, you should be very happy if, if we get along, but I do get along with a lot of people. But, you know, if you're working on a stage show, you're working with professional actors that have trained and they've gone right. and been classically trained in the UK and they understand how to work with a rehearsal room and they treat it like a, you know, it's like a sport. These people are athletes, maybe not, in other places in the world, but certainly in the UK, if you if you're working with classically trained, you know, drama school actors, um, mm-hmm. so that's always fun. And also, they're just excited and interested. You know, I always forget that. You yeah, know, you work on it. these shows, and you know, they've never done a magic trick before, and they're so excited about it, and they want to know how it works, and they want to, you know, do good with it and stuff. And um, yeah, that's always fun. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other things, but yeah, I did a show. I I I, I assisted Paul Key a few times for shows, but I did a show on ice with him. Um, oh wow, which was fascinating and so yes, and yeah, those very people, unique. Those people really were athletes. They were all ex uh, Paralympic, Paralympic, no Winter Olympics people, R- ripped people. Um, <laughs> dude, it was nuts. Like you know. It, it, it's like a touring circus of athletes those shows um, yeah. you know you you wake up you come into work and they've been working out and training for the first three hours yeah stuff. since like since like 4am <laughs> yeah yeah but that was incredible because they were like athletes and professional dancers and they just like took the craft really 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 um seriously and, and like i said they're mm-hmm. excited to do to do sort of to do magic um yeah my one feedback i've worked with a a lot of magicians because i did shows like i've done a lot of shows where it's not just um one magician 
But mm-hmm. the one thing I, is you always can tell the difference between magicians who really know what they're doing and have done TV before. And it, it 100% just comes down to collaboration. Like they mm. they want to collaborate and they understand that they're like not, I don't know how to explain it, but like working with everyone and making it into a collaboration is absolutely what you need to do if you if you go on TV as a magician, you know, make it a group experience. Yeah, I, I think it's so funny how much of it comes down to that. Like, I've been listening to podcasts about, um, listening to podcasts recently about Steve Jobs, um, and like some of his greatest successes, right? And it's just like, it, like he lived down the street basically from like Chris Wozniak, right? Who was just like this incredible inventor. And it's interesting because, like, pretty much like the end of this like three hour podcast was like, genius people facilitate more are great at facilitating people that are more genius than themselves right <laughs> and i think there's also another book that has like a really clickbait <laughs> well clickbait now type title like how to get rich by felix dennis mm. um and he says like a, a similar thing where it's just like facilitation it's like he's like I, i'm just really good at facilitating people that are more clever than i am <laughs> yeah and, and i think that's I think, a really I think that's interesting no, no, I think go ahead. Yeah. And that's hard. The, the hard thing of that is I think that, and I'm 100% guilty of this, is that like surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you is not like, doesn't feel that very fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's, it, you know, you don't want to feel like you're treading water in the deep end, but 100% yeah. is the best thing to do is like it, 100% naturally, if you're hiring someone, you want to, you, you feel like you want to hire someone who, you can take under your wing and whatever, but you know, you want to hire someone who knows more about whatever you're hiring them for. And if you're surrounding yourself with people, you want to try and surround yourself with people who know more about whatever it is or, or work harder or a hundred percent doesn't come naturally. Um, mm. Yeah. The other thing I always say about with magic is that a lot of people, if they talk to me about like, Oh, I want to, you know, write magic for this person or work for this person. It's like, um, focus on your year group and i don't mean that in terms of age i just mean in terms of Mm. like where you're at industry wise because it's kind of like comedy in the uk magic kind of has these like year groups and it's going to be very hard for you to start producing a tv show for copperfield or, or dynamo or whatever but if you look around you at your year group and you find all the best people who are in your at your level right now you're, you guys are all going to grow and progress and it only really takes one or two of you to do really well to bring everyone with you and um, that sort of sense of collaboration with people around you is um, is 100% more worthwhile. It's 100% better to make those friendships and, and collaborations with people who are on your level rather than desperately trying to get to get, get pulled up to someone who's you know a little bit ahead of you and they're only really ahead of you because of time you know because they've spent longer doing whatever it is. Mm. Yeah, I like that. That's actually an interesting thing because that's what Andrew Frost said the same thing to me, actually. He's like, everyone talks about like, uh, like, oh, I want to get in this circle. I want to get in this circle. He's like, just make like make your own circle where you're at <laughs> and like go up together because like it's it's harder to like, and of course you can, you can get into established circles, but I don't know. It's kind of like, it's kind of like one of those things, like you said, with year groups, it's like, you can't really ever replace a good childhood friend, you know, <laughs> like you just have that bond right of just like growing up together and maybe did, um, perhaps it's the same in business did andrew tell you that before or after he started working i will have to mute that but 
<laughs> he told me that because <laughs> he doesn't want what? people to know. But <laughs> oh, he told you're me he kidding want to me. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I was just going to say that interesting. I know, I know how he got that job, and it's because he made friends with people in his year group, and someone in his year group got a job. With uh, yeah, so weird. I think that he doesn't he, want to know that. I guess I a lot of people I know doesn't want to be harassed for tickets. I think. Yeah, that's sort of how it works. Ollie Mealing was the exact same. He hated the fact that people knew. Yeah, yeah. We can skip over. That <laughs> yeah, I'll just bleep it out, and then people will get all intrigued, and it'll be funny. Yeah. Um. um okay. Yeah, I yeah, can't go, believe he has to be ahead. nude for it as well. Isn't that weird? That he has to be completely. That is naked so so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting taste. Are oh, you gonna you know? bleep it out again? You gotta you say it again. But no, he is he is the perfect example. And and I kind of am, and so is people like Luke Oslin and also Kayla Morelli. All these people, you know, it's it's a similar thing. You know, I I got the job with Dynamo because I bought Harry de Cruz and Nando's once. Like that that's that's really what it came down to. <laughs> like the most finished thing I've ever heard. And I bought it's the it's the most 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 the most important Nando's in my life. <laughs> Amazingly, though, as Too well, I'm just thinking about this. <laughs> the real. reason I the reason I was able to buy Harry's Cruz and Nando's once was because I was cat sitting for Ollie Mealing. Wow, was leaving oh London. Gosh. He was leaving London for a week. He knew because I told the everyone. I told everyone I really want to write television in London, and he knew I I didn't know anyone in London. He was like, "Why don't you come cat sit for me while I'm away?" So I got to spend a week in London. While I was in London, I bought Harry de Cruz and Nando's. The next day, I met Dynamo. And then three weeks later, I was working for him. But the point being, in this weird, like, I don't know how I've got off on this, but, like, the reason I got a job with Dynamo was because I made friends with people in my year group, that those, that being sort of, like, Ollie Mealing and, and Harry de Cruz. And, and, you know, I wasn't just, like, DMing Dynamo or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. Probably yeah. could have worked. Yeah. I should have just of... done that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> especially with your Instagram grind, right? I did. I did. Well, the Instagram thing was really interesting because I, I really genuinely didn't know any magicians back then. I, I the landscape has changed so much now. I cannot stress how different it was. I, I know I sound really old, but like, <laughs> I did not know any magicians. Like, there's no other way of putting it. And, and, you know, when I was posting on Instagram. Uh, most of my friends didn't have Instagram, uh, 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 you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, and that was really interesting. I remember like, yeah, that was a hundred percent a way of doing it. But uh, what, people nowadays, I'm always shocked when people ask me like, how do I end up on TV and I'm start and stuff. And I'm like, well, how many TV producers have you emailed? And they're like, huh? I'm like, well, yeah. How many, how many have you emailed? Have you sent me a show reel? And they're like, uh, well, no. And like, it's almost like they don't realize that they can mm. do that. Like there are people who are like posting on Instagram and Facebook now because they want to end up on TV. And I'm like, email them. Like, I mean, Fool Us has their email in their bio on Instagram. Like that's how desperate they need magicians. They are running out of magicians. But like, it's not like a secret mm. that you can like find the emails of people who work on these TV shows and send them a showreel. Um, it kind of amazed me that people don't really think of that. But yeah, so you want to be on TV, get get your email in. Yeah, cool little tool for that as well. People that, because sometimes it can be harder to find the emails. A lot of the time it is just literally just click on the contact us tab. <laughs> Pretty mm. easy tip. <laughs> but 
there's another tool called a Hunter.io that I use. Um, and you can put any URL into it and it will pull up like all of the emails from the URL, like all the support emails and stuff. Um, yeah, I, start, which is why... I started using a tool like that recently. It, it kind of terrifies oh, yeah. me. But it also reminds me <laughs> yeah, how many like... pulls up. <laughs> well, it's just like, I don't know. When I was a kid, when I was like 14, I used to send scripts I'd written to people weirdly one of mm. them gave me a job a few years ago and i never had the, the guts to tell oh, yeah? them i emailed them when Came i was 13 back, years back old around. but um cool. but i did i looked the while ago and i literally just used to guess like i'd write their name at the production company.com and then it wouldn't go through and i would sit there and he'd be like hmm maybe i'll do initial dot last name and i would do that for like hours and um, it's crazy. I, a few years ago, I looked back and it's nuts. I just used to come home from school and try and just email scripts to like as many people as possible. Um, and I got, re you got replies from a few people, but yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like just, just, you know, they're not going to know who you are unless you tell them who you are. And um, just email, like, I think people forget, you know, there are exceptions to the rule, but most of these people you see on TV, uh they were pretty ballsy in how they got on tv like it wasn't like any i don't know how to explain it it, it it's very rare this stuff falls in people's laps most of these people work really hard right. and were really annoying to people for a really long time um to get their tv shows yeah i think it's it's interesting because that's something that i've i've realized myself because i mean i'm i don't know if you know i, I don't think i told you how i'm, I'm 22 and like I started doing this when I was like 21, like, mm. and it's like, and now we're talking, right? Like, I mean, I think that's just like a perfect, <laughs> perfect, like, like you, like, I've never met Dynamo and never met any of these people, right? But like, somehow we connected, like I connected with Steven, then he connects with you. And then we end up speaking. And now we've been speaking for like 30 minutes, right? Like, it's one of those things where it's just like, it surprises me how accessible people are if you just like, grind enough and it's interesting what you said as well because i set the goal of emailing 100 magicians like a week and i did that for i don't even know like two months i just emailed like 100 magicians a week and just asked them to come on the podcast like and for me obviously it was a little bit different because i was looking more for like affiliate stuff like helping building my email list not like so much getting into like actually performing or writing or whatever um but it surprised me just how like accessible people people are accessible at the start Man. but then once you know like three people then like everyone's accessible <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so especially crazy especially magicians though with podcast magicians yeah. i mean i don't like doing this stuff but oh, magicians so like do. talking about themselves <laughs> like they, yeah. they like talking about themselves i wouldn't worry about that but yeah no 100 uh, you know and i think you know especially nowadays when you can see mutual friends you know, if you get a friend request from someone or whatever, or, or someone follows Instagram and there's no mutual friends, you're sort of like, all oh, right. But if there's like three right. and then four and then five, and that only builds over time. But yeah. And my thing, my note for the, for anyone thinking like listening to this and being like, Oh, that's interesting. is like, just change your attitude today. Like the, the, stop thinking about like in the future, mm. there are people who are just naturally good at this and people who work for it. But like, in terms of networking and that stuff, like don't think about it as this big uh, thing and quest. Just, just, just treat it day by day, and like 
it's a little bit like how they say like lucky people are lucky like you know they there was this thing years ago it was a, a study where they got people to um do a questionnaire and one of the one of the questions in this like 50 question questionnaire was do you feel that you're a lucky person and mm-hmm. the people oh, yeah, running the study yeah they left some money on the floor outside and um people were more likely to see the 20 pound note and be like oh my god and pick it up and have an extra 20 pounds if they there was mm-hmm. a correlation between the people who said i'm a lucky person and the people who picked up the thing and it, i think it's definitely a, a similar but probably a bit of a leap in terms of uh networking you, you know you meet these people who are just so yeah. good at just like making friends and saying hello and it's just a part of who they are um and they're not trying and i think it's a similar thing you just sort of have to flick that switch in your head and be like okay today how can i um help other people and bring value to them that's the other thing as well like yeah. the amount of people just you've got to be yes. valuable to other people and then they'll be valuable to you yeah yeah i, I remember i was talking to a when i first got, actually had, when i got started in entrepreneurship i was in utah doing construction and i was basically i was house sitting for like a I was house sitting a bed and breakfast during covid so it like closed down and uh mm. it was basically this like multi-millionaire billionaire's like side project <laughs> so like through that i got to meet him and he started talking to me about business and like where he got started and like he done so much stuff like he ended up being like the but he basically like ran the beatles campaign in like the us and did just like a bunch of stuff formed like some of the i think he, yeah like the fa- facts basically was him and then obviously that got outdated but he managed to sell before it did um but Anyway, I was talking to him and one thing he said to me that I thought was really interesting that like struck me is like, yeah, everyone says like, you, it's all about who you know, like not what you know, but it's about who you know. And then when you meet those people, you actually have something to offer them. And I think mm. that really like stuck with me because I was like, yeah, it's true. Like I could have met you two years ago, right? <laughs> On an airplane, let's say we sit down next to each other, right? But I would have absolutely nothing to offer you. Like maybe we would have had a good conversation and like, maybe you would have been Facebook friends if the conversation was good enough on a plane, right? But like, it's not like from there, you're going to get me into the magic industry and I'm suddenly going to have this massive success. You know, it's, it's, I think sometimes maybe that will happen, you know, like there are definitely stories of that happening, but I think mostly it's who you know and then what you have to offer them. And I think yeah. that is, yeah, it's, it's a key component. It's tough, man. Like, it's like, I meet people all the time and I'll say what I do. And occasionally you'll get people who are a bit dismissive and they'll be like, oh, it's all about who you know that industry though, isn't it? Like, you know, very right. much expecting me to <laughs> yeah. say, yeah, my dad owns yes. CBC or whatever. <laughs> and it, and it's uh, the reason I find those conversations, I mean, that happens very rarely, but the reason I find that hard is because that's what I was like when I was a teenager. I was the amount of anger I had towards people who were doing what I wanted to do and they did it because their dad or their mum worked in the industry. And it's most people in their 20s because I wanted to write TV shows and mm. I, I've never. I've never found anyone in their 20s who has written a TV show who wasn't someone's kid. And it used to annoy me because I'd tell people I want to do this and they'd be like, oh, what about, you know, what about this person or what about that person? And, you you know, I'd know already. I'd be like, well, that person's uncle did that, you know. But (laughs) 
then as soon as you get in TV, you sort of become like almost like a victim of it because, you know, I worked with Dynamo. I got the Dynamo. I didn't know anyone who worked in, I didn't know anyone who lived in London. When I worked for Dynamo, (laughs) before I found a place to live, I stayed with my granddad's friend he played bridge with, son, because that was the only person I knew in London and I, so I hit this guy Holy up and was like, hey, freak. my granddad, like that, I cannot stress enough. Like I didn't know anyone in London. I didn't know anyone in, in TV. I, like just, <laughs> I was from like a very small town, but it almost immediately got the Dynamo gig from, from meeting Ollie and meeting Harry. I got part of the reason why I got my first TV show was because of a woman called Debbie, who was a series producer for Dynamo and Robert Pound, who was a consultant. And then that guy, Andrew O'Connor, who directs and, and, and writes all of Darren's TV shows, he gave me my next two jobs. And then the Netflix job I got from someone who I worked with for Next Great Magician, Stuart McLeod from Barry and Stewart. Uh, it just, mm. like, it's like this awful web where like everyone I know, every job I've ever got on TV has been because I've known someone or someone's recommended me or or whatever but um so it's it's really hard i can totally understand how if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking well i don't know anyone that it, mm. i can understand because i was that person and i used to harbor so much anger like really i was not wasn't healthy how how you know i literally i, I remember when i was like a teenager if i saw someone doing what i wanted to do i would immediately go on their wikipedia and find out who they're related to like it, it was almost like the self-fulfilling like anger huh. thing it wasn't wasn't good um but yeah so if you listen to that i totally understand if that's if that's something that you that is frustrating to hear you know you and i be like oh it's all about who you know and when you know people you do this that, that, <laughs> yeah. if you don't know anyone all i can say is that like eventually after sending all those emails doing those things or or, or posting whatever it is I promise you that like once that door opens, if you have the right attitude, it will just spread like wildfire and everyone will know who you are and you'll know people really quick. Um, but yeah, I totally understand. It. I just, I'm imagining baby Rory listening to this podcast and being like, Oh, oh you guys knew people or whatever. You. But yeah. like you said, <laughs> both of us didn't know people and, uh, and now we do. And it's, it, yeah. So yeah. God, but also nepotism is awful, and it it sucks. But yeah, <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Let's get off this subject before I start yeah, crying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I don't want to take too much more of your your afternoon, so I'll I'll, I'll bring it down hopefully to just like two questions. Awesome. Um, but first of all, thank you for everything you shared. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Like, it, and and also everything that you. One thing I, I can definitely say. Um, to people listening and like find people, I guess, like Rory, because like ever since we met, like you've given me so much interesting stuff and like the, 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 how quickly you reply to me always like surprises me. So I guess like I appreciate it and hopefully I can pay it forward at some point. Um, <laughs> Man, I have I'm like, I have a, yeah. yeah, I have a, I mean, obviously I like you, but 
I can't not reply to things. It's a big issue. I, 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 everyone always is like, it's yeah, amazing how quickly you reply. You. It's not you. <laughs> if I see something and I don't reply, God, I, I, I just will never reply. I have to reply immediately. But yeah, no, uh, no, you're, you're, you're very welcome. Should we talk about magic? I feel like we haven't talked about magic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, 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 let's get back. Let's get back to your your membership, right, or, or, your, or your newsletter. Oh, Tell right, me about yeah, one head. Sure. Yeah, one ahead is a weekly newsletter. So basically, um, a couple of years ago, I started voice journaling. This, this is all going to make sense in a sec, I promise. Which is basically mm-hmm. journaling with your voice, sort of via voice notes. And I decided to build an app for that. And so basically, my main focus shifted a little bit away from TV. So for the last mm-hmm. year or two, I've, I haven't done any like three-month TV projects. I've just done a few days here and there on shows. And so to keep one foot in the magic industry and also not let all this stuff I've learned go to waste, I started a newsletter on Substack called One Ahead. Hmm. The website is www.oneahead.club. I don't know why people always say www. because everyone knows websites start that way, but you kind of feel like you have to. <laughs> um, I think it's because it's a dot club. If I just Anyway. Every week I send out a newsletter to members. It's got a few thousand readers. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, I'd love to describe what the posts are, but it's basically whatever the hell I feel like writing that week. And I reveal a lot of sort of TV magic secrets like pre-show and instant stooging and mic checks. And uh, yeah, lots of stuff. But also the way that I'm sort of thinking about it now is for the last sort of 10 years, magicians with tv budgets have paid me to to consult for them and basically what the newsletter allows me to do is to consult for everyday magicians who don't have tv budgets because basically i have a bigger Mm. readership but i can do the same quality of work um that's how i'm sort of uh that's my coping mechanism how i'm thinking about it in my head i like like i was looking through the um the archive um, cause you have like, I was, I was looking over your site today and looking at like the, Oh, like before you subscribe, like take a look at all the stuff. And I was like, dang, like this is sick stuff. Like, <laughs> honestly, like I, I was like, Whoa, this, this is really cool. This is really unique. It looks really pretty. Um, so like, I guess, I mean, obviously you've talked about like why, and like, obviously you've got the skills and you've got, you've had enough experience to write, I guess, probably forever <laughs> on this sort of thing, especially as you like it. I hope um, so. But, yeah, and if not, it get people to do it, right? So, um, <laughs> but um, when it when it comes to like, I don't know, what do you hope people to get out of it, and like, what do you hope to give back with the newsletter, and like, yeah, in that way. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it it's it's a little bit selfish in that, like, the main purpose is to just not let all of the ideas I've I've or, or, or things I've right. come to sort of go to waste. Um I've spent an extraordinary amount of time thinking about this. I I wouldn't call it imposter syndrome, but I mm. wrestle with the fact that I get flown in nice airplane classes to nice hotels and paid stupid amount of money to throw up ideas. And so because of that, I've put a lot, just a stupid amount of thought to try and sort of cope with that into 
why these things do have value and and how I can be as valuable as possible to the people who hire me. And so really, I think the main thing is that I hope when people read it, they get a new perspective and they get maybe the curtain pulled back on like what actually goes in on behind the scenes and TV magic and new ways of thinking. The other things as well is I really in terms of like a magic crusade is I really don't like the the magic industry. I know I've basically just said I like magic's a magic industry, but like <laughs> the one thing you'll learn quite quickly about the magic industry is like, like all of these companies and bless them. I, I love all of them or a lot of the people who run them, but like they only make money if they can convince you to buy the newest trick every year. And uh, that's cool and all like if that's, if your hobby is like buying magic tricks, then, mm. you know, you know, that, that exists in other industries as well. So that's cool. But like, that's not the best way to be the best magician. You know, your audience doesn't care if you've got the newest trick with the newest tech and all that sort of stuff. You could perform five tricks from 30 years ago and you'd probably do a better job than, uh, than doing mm. the latest Murphy's release. And um, so I think there's also just an attitude that I'm trying to put across with the newsletter of like, you know, reminding people and inspiring people to just do stuff that's good and like focus on stuff that like you can't buy in a magic shop. You know, it's not profitable for these magic companies to teach you about scripting and branding and character and story and all this sort of stuff. And, and that's, that's, that's uh, you know, I think that's, that's what I'd like to sort of uh, to get across to, I think. I don't know. I mm. kind of write in principles. You, you might have seen that. Like, if I do teach a trick, like, there's a couple of tricks I've taught recently people really liked. I taught a book test that works with any book. Um, a book test is basically borrow a book, open it to any page, remember the longest word on the first page, and the mentalist mind reader can tell you what you're thinking of. A lottery test or lottery prediction is, is basically a way of predicting six numbers, but with a printed lottery ticket, which is kind of great. But um, mm -hmm. both of those things, like when I teach them, like I'm not really teaching the method, I'm just teaching the principles. You know, I'm saying this is dual reality. The way that dual reality works in this trick is like this. This is one ahead. The way that one head works is like this. Um, so I don't know. I just hope that people um, become better magicians and. I don't know. Who knows, dude? I, I'm just trying to write the best content I can every week and it might change, but at the minute it, it seems to be going quite well. Yeah. That was a well, long answer. And... No, that was great. I mean, I don't have to ask any follow-up questions. It's I perfect. promise, it's I perfect promise the newsletter posts are not that long. Uh, I, I rewrite <laughs> them and revise them. They're very concise <laughs> and well-written. Yeah, exactly. We're getting you live here. It's, it's, it's probably my interview ship skills, really, honestly, more than anything. It's yeah. probably my fault that your answers are I'm, so long. I'm pouring my heart out to you. You know how to get into people's heads. <laughs> get in the juices. Um, <laughs> so tell me, my last question um, oh is about your entrepreneurship side. Right. Um, and I'm just interested because you mentioned it kind of casually there. Um, but you've got, you're, you're working on an app right now called Sound Off that I think is a really interesting part of the industry. Um, I'm just interested to see when did this transition to entrepreneurship happen, or kind of what? I mean, you've always, I mean, you've always been an entrepreneur, right? Like finding people, like you're generating money. Yeah, you, you, you're self-employed, but yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And I've started businesses in the past, and I've sold businesses in the past. Um, Sound Off is definitely uh, more of like a passion 
pro mm -hmm. I mean, if you saw the amount of money I've invested in it, you wouldn't think it was a passion project. But like <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily a smart business. You know, it's not it's not like it's not good business, you know, because there isn't really a, a market demand for this. It's not necessarily solving a problem. I'm not really set up very well in distribution. You know, One Ahead's a great business, the newsletter, because I've got 10 years worth of a community built up already. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know anyone in the health and well-being world. And that's been like a really interesting thing to like be like, oh, wow, I'm starting from scratch again. Uh, this is terrifying. I remember what this felt like. I was really upset about it when I was 17. Um, but yeah, so sound off is basically voice journaling. Uh, 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 and really it's, if you've used the app sleep cycle, I want the app to be like a hybrid of sleep cycle and the apps like headspace or calm. The app kind of right. combines, uh, voice notes with audio starters, which are sort of these podcasts at the minute. It's a content business, which basically means that you're paying to unlock the content in the app, but I'd like to transition it this year to be, uh, sort of like a SaaS business where you're paying for the software versus the content. Mm. So what I would really like to be able to do is that if you are recording daily, you can track the themes that you talk about. The app can track your mood. It can recommend content just based on like your tone of voice and sort of what you, what you sound off about, but it's fascinating. I, I'm basically doing a, a big long bet. I have, swam out and i believe that a wave's coming it's just really far in the distance because uh science says you should journal it's not you know it's, it's not really a disputed fact every therapist and sort of psychologist recommends journaling it makes total sense and voice journaling mm -hmm. is not only easier you don't have to carry around the journal and a pen and it, it, it's a lot more free-flowing you don't have to worry about your spelling, your handwriting, paragraphs, what color ink you've got. You don't see the words on the page, so you're not judgmental. But there's also like unique scientific benefits. Thinking out loud unlocks a different part of your processing mind. It's, it's why therapists don't like doing it over text. They want to be able to hear your voice and tone of voice and stuff. Um, yeah, it, it, it's basically a big bet. And so we'll see how it goes. But, uh, but yeah, in terms of business, I'd love to say I know what I'm talking about when it comes to sound off, but I am learning every day and i have no idea it's what fun. i'm doing uh, it, it amazes no, me fun. when you when you listen to do you, have, do you listen to how i built this uh i don't think I have you actually. need to you absolutely need to. how i built this with guy raz is one of the most fascinating podcasts where he just interviews people who have built basically all of the biggest brands you, you've heard of but it always fascinates me on that show sometimes you get people who are a bit like me but it always fascinates me when people talk like they know what they're talking about and um mm. i guess that'll come with time because with magic i can probably do that um it's just because of the experience i can tell you what will work or won't work for, for tv or whatever but but when it comes to sound off i have no I, mean, I have no idea what i'm doing i am i'm trying my best i'm learning and we'll see how it goes but yeah the, the hope is that it just becomes sort of the calm or headspace of voice journaling um well, I'll use it because I've actually been looking for something like that. I, th I think it's interesting. I, I, is it gonna? Will it transcribe, or do you want it to just be solely audio? Oh, I can't hear you. I think you might. Have oh, you can't. Can, can you hear me now? You're back. Yeah, I can. Um, oh, I said, um, "Will it?" Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You said, Did "Will you it transcribe?" Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think it will. I think that we'll use. It, it sort of in like a smarter way where you can like search 
based on what you said but i don't think that it will transcribe from what i from users i've talked to of the app and the community the basic gist is that like if it can transcribe then it's basically just uh, like accessory for written journaling and uh, right, yeah. the other thing as well is that most people who voice journal will tell you that like it's a load of nonsense that they talk about like that's kind of what is nice about the freedom of voice journaling versus written journaling like you don't talk in right. full sentences you dot from one thing to the next you repeat yourself you mumble you stumble on your words like it, that's kind of what what comes with it i think if you had a transcribed version of my recordings and sound off you would think i was like a five-year-old who couldn't speak english <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's just like part of the territory of voice journaling and what's kind of exciting about it so yeah i think like feature wise there'll be some cool things where you'll be able to search and it will show your recording because you talked about whatever it is you've searched for but I, I don't think it'll ever be like a transcription app. There is a really good app right, for that kind of called Otter. That's really good. Undermine for it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, yeah, I, I want it to be its own, its own, its own thing. It's kind of hard to. Yes, it's. Yeah, I used to find a really good, um, a really good uh, analogy for that. But yeah, you know, voice journaling is its its own thing, and it's 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 weird because. I've either stumbled on something incredible or I'm a madman mm. because voice journaling has a long proven history. You know, there are people 20, 30 years ago who were voice journaling. It tended to be people who had accessibility issues. Um, perhaps they were in hospital and they couldn't write or whatever, but like it, it, voice journaling has a proven track record. It has like scientific backing and now everyone has a microphone with them all times in their phone so either i'm going mad or i feel like this could be a sort of crashing wave people are also embracing voice products more than they ever have so i mean literally who knows if if i, I still i'm still gonna feel like i've won the lottery if i get you know people using it so i'm very excited mm. well i'm excited for you i'll definitely use it because it sounds really interesting thanks um all right well on that note i don't want to keep you much longer um Thank you, like I said again, so much for like everything that you've shared. I think this was a really interesting chat. Um, the whole point of the podcast is to like think differently and not just talk about magic. <laughs> That's kind of the yeah, whole point of this podcast. Like we is the, uh, did we talk it about was magic? Perfect. Not that much, which is great because <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to have magicians on or people in the magic industry and talk about everything but magic. I think it's quite interesting. Um, yeah, so yeah well, thank I you wanted so to do much. a podcast years ago with. Um, sorry, I'm just talking over you because I, I. No, I, please. Yeah. I wanted to do a podcast years ago, which was people who are magicians that you don't know are magicians. So people like Jason Sudeikis, JJ Abrams, um, like all these people, because I, I find it fascinating mm. how magic connects. You know, I know loads of people in all sorts of industries through magic who aren't magicians. And. Um, right there's something that connects all these people and it's not just magic that is like a way of thinking like there's something that draws people to magic that i find really interesting you know um but yeah but there's yeah, definitely yeah. a link between like the production industry and magic oh like, 100 like directors 100 yeah. they love Larry it they love stuff, it like, yeah <laughs> 
I think it's the same thing. I think it's a hundred percent. I'm exactly the same. You know, I, I wanted to be, a, I, I was the kid that would finish a movie and then the family would go to bed and I would watch behind the scenes on the DVD. And I think it's, yeah. it's, 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 I think it's definitely the same attitude that the reason I want to write and direct TV shows and films one day is a hundred percent the same reason, excuse me, why I'm obsessed with uh, magic. I really like magic. Yeah, it's like it's creating something. That, that's my my dad was actually it was like an independent film director, and so I just grew up like w- watching <laughs> behind the scenes stuff and going to like film festivals and stuff. Um, so wow. yeah, he he says the same thing. Like he says the exact same thing. Like uh, like magic and films. Like it's creating something. It's creating an experience for the audience, right? Creating something that isn't possible, but that you you control and give to them so yeah i think it's yeah there's so many links there's there's something fascinating about like putting additional work behind the scenes for something you know i get the same feeling when i watch a musical and i'm fascinated by how it was all put together but i also get the same feeling when i go on a roller coaster and i think god how, how they made this ride like at disneyland or whatever like there's you know all these things are sort of connected in a way where it's like it's a performance and it's an experience but there's so much more work Mm. going on behind the scenes than you necessarily realize when you experience it i guess Mm. yeah 100 percent. and i think all the people behind it are so cool as well there's nothing like i don't know i just love nerds that's like probably (laughs) like my i just absolutely love it like when, when we were in new york we went to this like uh star wars replica robot building convention and it was just like the everyone there was just the best people you'll ever meet you know like just just so quirky so freaking nice (laughs) like ridiculously nice you know do you know um second brain do you like the second brain guy Mm, i don't know if i do tell me he's uh he runs like a membership on newsletter i think but it's all about uh being more productive and, and learning and note-taking. I, I don't, can't remember the ins and outs. But I listened to an interview with him the other day about growth. And uh, he was like, I can't remember what his thing was, but he was like, he said, he sounded like you. He was like, I love nerds. And he was like, you know, our, our, our customers are nerds. And he was like, and there are enough nerds. Like, we don't have to worry. <laughs> I thought that was like really, I thought it was really sweet the way he sort of was like, I think the interviewer was like, do you worry that that's like too much of a niche? And he was like, oh no, there are a lot of nerds. Like, there's a lot of nerds. <laughs> no, dude, the thing is, I, the thing that I love the most is like discovering nerds that don't know that they're nerds. You know, like oh, everyone's no, a nerd dude, about... Think, think, think about this for a second. You sound like <laughs> someone, you know, when you get like someone who's like not straight and they like they like turning people or whatever. Like you sound like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's exactly. It's, like it's your, the same power trick. Kink, it's the same power your, trick. Your kink is making people realize that they're actually closet nerds. Absolutely. Well, there's, there's worse things to do. There's worse things to do, right? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean someone who's right. a nerd but right. doesn't think they're a nerd? Think about this. Right, wait, wait, I got this for you. I got this for you. Right. My my wife, her dad is the most American person, like just like a Western American person you'll ever meet. Like, I mean, just construction, like, you know, like can build everything with his hands. Um, I won't get too political on it, but yeah, and and it's just bro, but 
when you talk to him about like construction or like hunting, like he's just a massive nerd about it, you know? Like he'll watch hunting videos like all day on YouTube. Like he knows like, you know, like they know all the calibers of every single gun, like all the best spots, like all the best ways to lure in animals or like, all the same with like all the best wood for making this type of floor. And like, dude, there was this one time I was doing construction with him and they talked about like different types of wood flooring for literally like two hours with this one guy. And they had like loads of different stories. So that's what I'm saying, man. Like he is like the most manly man, but he's also a nerd. Does he still not know that he's a nerd? Have you told him? I'm, I'm you know, I'm waiting to get more comfortable, you know, before I break the news. You know, it, yeah. it can be it can be something that's difficult to hear. You know, you don't want to. Maybe you should. You, should you don't like want to break it too early. hundred percent. Like, yeah, you definitely need professionals in. Planet. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought yeah, this is. You have to break it in nice. We're going off like wild now. But did you know there are professional <laughs> interventionists? That's the prof- that's a profession that people have. You know that? I didn't know that. They're like, like so. Like, if you, like if a I was like. Job. If I was like, oh shit, Jacob is, he's getting too addicted to this, um, I don't know, whatever you might be addicted to. (laughs) You could hire a professional interventioner who will organize the intervention that you stage. And they're like, almost like a therapist, they'll like be there to help manage and like they'll prepare everyone on what you should and shouldn't say. (laughs) And they'll like be in the room to be like, you know, and how do you feel about this, Jake? About your adi- like, but I, 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 um, yeah, I learned that like not long ago, and I was like, what a fascinating, like, job. I've never had to be in an intervention, but I would weirdly like to be unique, in one. Yeah, yeah that, I mean that definitely that definitely shows care for you, you know, if not anything else. Yeah. Although I, I can only know. imagine, I can only imagine what certain concerned parents. Have, have done for their liberal children as as interv- as uh, intervention. I can only imagine how how many interventions there's been people that didn't need an intervention. Yeah, I was just thinking, would it be a funny prank or not a funny prank to stage an intervention for someone who doesn't need one for something completely <laughs> and get like their really parents there and like their siblings and all of your friends for their like addictions or whatever, and they're like, I don't have, and you have like the professional intervention over there being like, it's okay, it's gonna be okay. I think it's probably a matter of matter, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a prank too far if you're just doing it for kicks and it's not like a TV show. For <laughs> sure. My favourite prank at the moment, and this will be the most value anyone takes on this podcast. Mm, please. My favourite prank at the moment is if, if your friend's like, oh, I'm going to go to this restaurant tonight or wherever you go. Oh my God, do you know about their secret menu? And then you go, what? No, yeah, no, secret no, menu. No, no. Yeah, yeah, all you've got to do is, and then you no. just make something up say this to the waiter, do this or whatever embarrassing thing. And then they'll bring you the secret menu. And um, I've got people really good with that. I've got people really, I've had people like doing animal noises to the waiter um, to try and get the secret menu. But yeah, that's a good one for you. You're basically like making the Michael Scott from the office. That's basically what you're doing to them. Oh God, I'm glad that you can bond over the office. All right. We should definitely end this call at some point. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The fact the fact that you called it a call only heightens how much we should end this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's probably yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, 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 100%. Okay, well, thanks everyone for listening. I don't know how much of everything will make it in. Uh, oh, wait, but we're recording we, uh... this? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks everyone. Um, and yeah, thanks thanks so much. Do you anything you want to shout out? Any links that you want to shout out before I... Um, obviously, your site. Like, uh, No, when's this going live? Um, I'll probably put it live before I promote one ahead. So it'll probably go live... Uh, probably go live like sometime next week. Okay, cool. I was just going to say, if this goes live before Blackpool, I've, I've, if, I've, I, if I have ordered a bunch of pins, like one ahead pins, because um, I was going to say, if you see me at Blackpool, feel free to come over and say hello. But also, if you are a full member of one ahead, I've got a pin for you. Basically, that's all I wanted to say. Come say hello. That's what I was trying to say. Don't be weird. But um, if you see me and I'm not eating food, come and say hello. We'll have a lovely chat. <laughs> Don't be weird. Man, I you could... So I, like, you said that like so could, derogatively as well. People are sometimes <laughs> weird at Blackpool. All right, dude. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, appreciate uh, you, mate. It sounds like... It seems like your community is a really good, strong, lovely bunch of people who um, wouldn't be rude to me at Blackpool. So amazing. Great. All right. I'm going <laughs> to